With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a blockbuster edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Chris McPherson. Joined as always by Fran Duffy. Chris, Alex. Alex Smith as well. Everyone, exciting day. Amazing day here at the Novacare Complex. The start of the league year opened with a bang for the Philadelphia Eagles, and we might as well just get right into draft buzz. This is going to be an awesome show. We're going to get into the terms of the two big trades that the Eagles have pulled off to start the year. We're going to have NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell as our Mr. Relevant. Our pick six today, six players with the most to prove at the upcoming pro days in the coming weeks. Our unofficial visit will be with small school cornerback Michael Jordan, and we'll answer your questions in our draft mailbag, but some blockbuster news to get started in our draft buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. As you can tell, a lot of anticipation here at the Novacare Complex, a lot of excitement. A lot of fans were already excited about what the Eagles were going to do in the upcoming draft, having the number 13 overall pick. Well, that has all changed. The Eagles have traded cornerback Byron Maxwell and linebacker Kiko Alonso to the Miami Dolphins. In exchange, the two teams will flip first-round picks. The Eagles now move up to number eight overall in the draft, and the thought process behind this is typically to move that high up in the draft, you would need a second-round pick. Well, the Eagles used their second-round pick last year to get Sam Bradford quarterback so they need to find some valuation and the Eagles decided to part ways with Maxwell and Alonzo and that was enough value for the Dolphins to be able to move up five spots to now be in the top 10 the Eagles were in the top 10 a couple years ago 2013 when they selected Lane Johnson and number four overall this really changes the landscape of the draft because you're going to get a good player at 13 but you can now get really a tone setter, potential franchise difference maker at number eight. Yeah, it's absolutely outstanding news from the Novacare Complex today. The ability to move up into the top 10, because ideally you don't want to be picking in the top 10 too often. So now with the Eagles on the outside looking in at 13th overall now, with the ability to look and say, okay, we're going to get a top 10 pick now in this draft, a draft that is full of star-studded players at a number of different positions, it's a really, really exciting proposition. I'm really excited to dig into some of the possibilities now at number 8. And I'm sure that we'll you know, we'll get into this more on the Eagles Insider podcast to talk more in depth about Maxwell and Alonzo and the, the one season that they each had in Philadelphia but I think just looking at this trade as it is right now, this is really good value for the Eagles. Maxwell is obviously a talented player. Maybe he didn't quite fit here uh, with the Eagles in his first year, and, and Alonzo had the knee injury in week two, but just moving up into the top 10, getting th- there at number eight, there's going to be some really, really talented players on the board at number eight, and uh, it's fun. This is fun. That's not it. The Eagles, speaking of one-year players, also traded DeMarco Murray to the Tennessee Titans. And the compensation for that trade is the two teams will swap fourth-round picks, meaning that the Eagles will move up now in the fourth round of the 2016 NFL Draft. So the Eagles will have some early ammunition there on the third day of the draft. But let's get into... We have a big board here from Dane Brugger, CBS Sports, Mm -hmm. as we delve more into having the number eight overall pick. And Alex, who are the players that he has in the top ten? Who now could possibly be in the Eagles' wheelhouse that maybe we wouldn't have thought so just 
couple hours ago. So this was updated a, a few days ago. So let's go through the top 10. Laramie Tunsil still number one, and I don't think any of us are expecting him to drop to number eight. Miles Jack becomes an interesting name now for the Eagles. And I think before this trade happened, there's virtually no way that he could have fallen to number 13. But could he fall to number eight? Potentially. And we know now with Kiko Alonso out of the mix, the Eagles have a need at linebacker. Uh, could Miles Jack now be in the mix here for the Eagles? I think is a really interesting question. Number three, Jalen Ramsey, safety from Florida State. Another interesting name, Joey Bosa, number four. Ezekiel Elliott now is another name to keep in mind for the Eagles. He's number five on Brugler's big board here. And now with DeMarco Murray going to Tennessee, uh, the Eagles now have a need at running back. And Ezekiel Elliott, a really interesting name to keep an eye on. Laquan Treadwell at number six. DeForest Buckner at number seven. Sheldon Rankins, defensive tackle from Louisville, number eight. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are nine and ten uh, on Dane Brugler's big board. We know that Sam Bradford's back for two years, but now that you're in the top ten, there's a really good chance that one of these quarterbacks is probably going to be there at number eight. If you're the Eagles, do you think about taking one of those two guys, even though you just signed Bradford? Yes, if you think that this guy's a potential difference maker down the road. Mm -hmm. that, the best thing for the Eagles is you have a guy in Bradford who will step in this season, can lead this team, and maybe he will just absolutely flourish in Doug Peterson and Frank Reich's offense. Mm -hmm. And from there, you can do what you wish. Now, you take one of these guys, whether Goff, Wentz, you know, Paxton Lynch even, if you think that highly of him, and you can sit and allow him to develop. He doesn't have to play day one. That is so key, I think, for what Doug Peterson wants in terms of developing quarterback. Just look at Doug Peterson when he was here in Philadelphia in 99. He was brought here to be the bridge to Donovan McNabb, and when Andy Reid thought that McNabb was finally ready, the Eagles had no chance of making the playoffs that first season in 99, but wanted to get him on the field. They felt the time was right. right. You can do that same thing here. You can develop and work him in and not have to rush him out on the field on day one. What being at number eight allows you, really, at this point now, is that you have the chance to get one of the blue chip players in this draft. You know, and I think that some of the names that are going to be thrown around are players that potentially may have been there at 13. You know, Vernon Hargreaves from Florida is one example. Mm -hmm. Sheldon Rankins from Louisville is a defensive tackle a lot of people are high on that could have been available at 13. You, you talk about Deron Lee. Uh, you talk about, you know, uh, some of these other players that get thrown into the mix. But now, could Miles Jack be there at number eight? Could Joey Bosa be there at number eight? These are some of the players, you know, DeForest Buckner. Do, would a player like that be available at number eight? Now you're starting to talk about some of these blue chip elite level prospects being available when the Eagles select that the Eagles probably wouldn't have been able to have a shot at uh, just a couple hours ago. And Ronnie Stanley, I think, is another really yeah. interesting name because in a lot of mocks, you see him going around that 11, 12 range, 10, somewhere around there. He's the second best offensive lineman in this draft. And now the Eagles, I think, have a really good shot of landing him if they do indeed look at the offensive line with the first round pick. The Eagles can also, you could trade back. You could. You might sit here, you may be at number eight, and I'm sure the Eagles want to get to number eight for a reason. But you have the leverage now to say, you know what, maybe I can pop back to 12 and get the second round pick round again. Pick back. Sure. You know, they they have that flexibility. Now, for a projection of where guys could go, Mel Kuyper from ESPN released his third mock draft. Let's go through players one by one. You mentioned Laramie Tunsil atop of Dean Brugler's big board. Tunsil goes number one to Tennessee. Carson Wentz goes number two to the Cleveland Browns. Now, he notes he does not rule out taking a non-quarterback here for the Browns at number two. The San Diego Chargers, this is a bit of a surprise. Ronnie Stanley goes number three overall. He solidified the offensive line. You know, they need to get the run game going. Melvin Gordon struggled mightily as a rookie. Shoring up the offensive line would certainly help. You know what? You get the second best offensive lineman in the draft. 
Dallas, a wild card team, in my estimation. They go to Forrest Buckner in Mel Kuyper's mock draft. Doesn't seem like the typical Rod Marinelli type of player, but you know what? You know, very talented, would be able to shore up that defensive line. You know, they're not going to have Randy Gregory for four games this year. Greg Hardy is a free agent. You know, they need another playmaker there. Jalen Ramsey to the Jags at number five. Joey Bosa goes six to the Ravens. Jared Goff, speaking of the quarterback, so potentially your top two are off the board. Goff goes seven to the Niners. He has, and he did this with Miami still owning the number eight pick, Miles Jack. They're number you go. eight. So what was the key to one? Of, so if you if if you go into this draft and you look, who are the who are the elite prospects? I think that everybody would agree that the elite level prospects in this draft are Laramie Tunsil, Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, Joey Bosa, and DeForest Buckner. Those are the five guys that everybody says these are the five blue chip players. You have two quarterbacks go in the top seven, and you have one mild surprise in Ronnie Stanley. All of a sudden, one of those five blue-chip players falls to number eight. And just like that, the Eagles get a blue-chip prospect. And that's all you really need at that point. Now, can things shake out differently? Absolutely. But uh, in this scenario, that's where you could see a, a player like that fall into the Eagles' laps. Could that be Joey Bosa? Could that be Jalen Ramsey? Could that be uh, you know, my, any of these other players? We talked about Miles Jack already. It, it, it just shows you what could happen in that scenario. Uh, in this mock draft, I'll just go through the next couple of picks and see who we had the Eagles taking when they were still at 13. Vernon Hargraves from Florida at number 9. Shaq Lawson went number 10. Leonard Floyd out of Georgia, the edge rusher, to the Bears at 11. Sheldon Rankings to the Saints at number 12. Then Jack Conklin. So you're sticking with the offensive line. Conklin at number 13 to the Philadelphia Eagles in this mock draft. So my question is, are we going to stop seeing Jack Conklin to the Eagles in mock drafts now? Because he's been like the chalk answer for the last couple weeks here. It seems like everybody's been projecting Jack Conklin to the Eagles. Now, would he? is he the eighth best player in the draft? I think that's probably debatable. You're going to have to do a new mock draft tracker. Well, that, and you're going to have to mock draft. Uh, and my fan uh, the mock fan drafts. mock draft is completely now completely out the window. Yeah. It, became, it just became uh, half as long. Just complete, <laughs> that, that's that seven picks true. As well. That's true. Yeah. Less so, work. Less work for me. There you go. In time for my first one here. So uh, let's see. So also here in our draft buzz, uh, let's go through Tony Pauline's draft buzz piece uh, that he wrote Monday morning for us on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, one thing first and foremost with Noah Spence. Uh, Noah Spence apparently to, to teams who only interviewed him at the Combine didn't come away impressed with his interviews. Came across as, you know, not dodging questions per se, but not being completely upfront about his past. Uh, remember, he went from Ohio State to Eastern Kentucky due to um, it was alleged drug habit. Was kicked off campus there at Ohio State. Um, but apparently, Spence has taken the steps to show teams that uh, he is clean. That the drug habit is a thing of the past. And Pauline notes that. For teams who spoke with him at the Senior Bowl, as well as the Combine, there were no red flags. There was some nervousness, apparently, something along those lines for Spence. So it wasn't that he was trying to dodge questions, that you know, he was just, it was, wasn't a comfortable situation for him there at the Combine. However, Spence had been noted by some prognosticators as a potential top 15 pick. No one who Paulie has talked to has said that he is in that top 15 range there. So he's been one of the popular names because you guys got to see him up close and personal. You know, we've detailed his story, the success he had in his one, one year um, away from Ohio State. The question is now with him, because of the guys like Randy Gregory from a year ago, are teams going to be hesitant to take a guy like Spence 
because, okay, obviously the, the potential's there, the production's there, but, you know, are you going to have to worry that he might, might not be able to suit up for you for four games down the line because of his drug habit? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, interesting to see how all this uh, off-the-field stuff affects him because I think when you, when you look at the draft, those edge rushers, those pass rushers are incredibly valuable in the NFL draft. Look at, you know, just look at Von Miller and what he was able to do with the Denver Broncos. And I think Spence, you know, other than Joey Bosa, is probably the best pass rusher in this draft. So um, we'll see what happens. Dane Brugler has him at number 16 overall on his big board. Uh, I think I put him in my top 10 in the mock draft that I'm going to now have to throw out the window. Uh, but I think I had him going... I think I had him to the Bucks at number nine. Um, I do think that just talent alone, he's probably a top, maybe a top ten talent in this draft. But uh, we'll see how much that that off the field stuff comes back to haunt him here. All right, so a lot to delve into, a lot that we covered there in our draft buzz segment. Now it's time to bring in one of the masters of the film tape, none other than NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. He and I kind of do a look at the Eagles roster with free agency getting underway, with the draft coming up in the near future. What moves could the Eagles make? Our Mr. Relevant is Greg Cosell. It's time for Mr. Relevant. This week's Mr. Relevant on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, none other than NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Greg, this must be your favorite time of the year because you get a chance to step back, look at all the rosters around the National Football League, look at the influx of talent that's about to right. come into the league and see where these players might fit. So before we get into the Eagles specifically, looking at the team from a big picture standpoint, what are what do you think are the spots on the roster that need to be addressed this offseason? Well, I think they have to take a look at their offensive line. I think they really have to take a look at the guard position. Now, we can assume, based on where Doug Peterson came from and what he likely wants to do, that this team will want to run the ball. And I think you have to address the guard position. Now, there's always two ways you can do that. You can look at your own roster and say, hey, we think these guys have the talent. They have to perform better. We have to maybe coach them better, coach them differently. And and obviously they kept Jeff Stoutland as the offensive line coach. He's a coach I really like. So they need, but that position needs to be better. And I think quite honestly, and I'm sure if he was sitting right here, he'd tell you the same thing. I think Jason Kelsey has to play better. So I think the interior group of the Eagles offensive line just has to perform at a higher level for this offense to develop the, the consistency and traction that it would like. So that's on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, so we'll start with that. Looking at the offensive line, who are some prospects, and you're going through the evaluation process, sure. who are some prospects who might fit with the Eagles want to do up front and again we don't quite know the scheme because you see the right. tape of Doug Pearson from Kansas right. City but you're going to have Frank and Reich's influence exactly you know. and again we don't know exactly what they'll do in free agency but you know we know that in Kansas City that Jeff Allen was a good guard for the Chiefs he's a free agent now I can look at someone like Joshua Garnett from Stanford who's a big bodied guy but he lost a, a good amount of weight and his feet are a little lighter than you might think so he's a guy that has a lot of um, uh, experience and efficiency in what we call gap schemes where he pulls and he also has efficiency in zone schemes so he can be effective in, in both kinds of run games so someone like Joshua Garnett who's not going to be a first round pick so he certainly could be available 
you know, third round. We know as we speak, the Eagles do not have a second round pick. But my my guess is someone like Joshua Garnett could certainly be sitting there in the third round. If the Eagles are looking to the future at the tackle position. Yes. Doug Pierce has been very high on Jason Peters and expecting him to come back and be a key contributor once again in 2016. Lane Johnson got his long-term deal. Who is someone that they potentially could peg for down the line and maybe someone that you draft? Maybe he doesn't play as much as a rookie. Maybe he slides inside to guard that first right, season right. before becoming a long-term answer at tackle. Yeah, the, the tackle position at this point, C-Mac, I've probably looked more at the top guys. who um, I, I don't think that the tackle will be viewed as a priority early on. So you're really talking about later round players. Okay. And, and, and at that point... Um, you know, then you have to decide uh, the developmental part of it because you start getting, you know, third, fourth, fifth round. Um, you know, I, I did watch Stanford, as I said, because I saw Joshua Garnett. They have a left tackle there who I don't know is going to be a left tackle in the NFL. But, again, the Eagles theoretically do not need a left tackle. And then the player I'm talking about is Kyle Murphy. He will not play left tackle in the NFL, but he's long. Uh, he's about six seven. He's a guy who, if he plays in the league, would definitely transition to a right tackle, and he's certainly going to be there fourth, fifth round. He's that kind of player. So it's players like that that I think the Eagles would probably look at because we know the feeling is that they want to get another year out of Jason Peters, but because of what they did with Lane Johnson, he will be the Eagles' left tackle in 2017. So, Greg, when you look at offensive line prospects, and you take a guy like Kyle Murphy, who's going to be a mid-to-late-round prospect most likely, what are the traits that can be coached up at the next level? And what are things that, you know what, you might try to project that to the right, and right. say it's something that's not going to transfer whatsoever? Well, what you can coach is, is what we call technique. So you can coach hand placement. You can coach foot placement. Uh, you, you can coach when to strike, when to use your hands. What you can't coach is athletic movement. And you can't take a, a, an athlete who's tight in his hips and make him loose in his hips. Uh, and that's why we often look at college left tackles. And Kyle Murphy fits this. You look at college left tackles and say he's not really athletic enough or loose enough to play left tackle in the NFL. So he either goes to right tackle C-Mac or he goes to guard. Murphy will not go to guard, for instance, Kyle Murphy, because he's close to 6'7". So there are not really six, seven guards in the NFL. So therefore, he he's a player that would go to right tackle. But you can coach hand usage. You can co- coach foot placement. You can coach athleticism and looseness of movement. You talked about how the Eagles want to become a run-oriented offense under Doug Pearson. I think they'll do, you know, I think yeah. that's something he believes in. Certainly. And you look at the backs on the roster, and Doug Pearson right. made a very interesting comment that you can't, turn three running backs into one. And I agree with that. Looking at how the Eagles previously right. used the running backs, but if you look at them, there's no real young and upcoming talent on the roster at the running back position. Maybe Kenyon Barnard could be that guy, but who's a guy possibly in the draft? Maybe you figure they're not going to want to address it high up in the draft, but someone in the mid to late rounds who might fit what Doug Pearson wants to do from the running back standpoint. Well, just before I mention that, I... I, I I said I agreed with Doug, and I think the reason I do is I think if you do want to run the ball, C-Mac, as a meaningful part of your offense, then I think you need a back. Now, when I say a back, I don't mean you need just one guy who gets 25 carries. But I think backs 
need to get into the rhythm and flow of a game to be effective backs. I don't think backs can be package players in the sense that for one series, this is your back, the next series, this is your back, the next series, this is your back, then you come back to another guy. I mean, you can take a guy out for a series here and there, but you need to play a back. I think they have some talented backs on the roster. Now, some of the backs coming out, again, I'm just starting my process of looking at backs. There's one that I've, I've talked about, I've actually talked about quite a bit here at the Combine, and I got to see him up close and personal on the field, and he certainly looks the part. And I think it would fit the Eagles because they use backs in the pass game. You know, Andy Reid always did that. Doug Peterson has done that. And that's a kid from Notre Dame named C.J. Procise, who's not going to be a first-round pick. He's a raw kid. To some degree, he's a one-year back. He was came to Notre Dame as a wide receiver. He's built somewhat like David Johnson of, of the Cardinals when he came out of Northern Iowa. And, you know, keep one thing in mind. When you look at David Johnson, everybody remembers the end of the season. You know, for the first 12 weeks of the season, he was a spot player. So, you know, Procise, I think, has a similar build, similar skill set, and I think he's got a very high ceiling because he's an inexperienced back. Let's go to the defensive side right. real quick for you here, Greg. And there's been a lot of talk about the defensive line in Jim Schwartz's sure. defense. I actually want to talk about the linebackers. The Eagles made a big move releasing D'Amico Rines. Jordan Hicks is projected to be the starter and inside linebacker at this point with Michael Kendricks and Kiko Alonso right. at the outside positions. But you can say they probably are going to need to add some depth at some point, yeah. whether it's free agency, yeah. whether it's the draft. Who are some potential prospects who – you know, thinking about Jim Schwartz's defense and what he's going to need from the linebacker position, who might be potential options here for the Eagles? Yeah, well, linebacker to me is an interesting position because there's a lot of, of what-ifs. I mean, we all loved Hicks last year. I mean, I thought he played extremely well. And I think he's more than capable of playing the middle. Uh, but he was a rookie last year who got hurt. Uh, unfortunately, he's been hurt a lot in his career through college as well. Uh, if he can stay healthy, which is an if right now, I think he can be a good Mike linebacker in a 4-3, which is what they're going to play. Kendricks is a very, very athletic player uh, who at times struggles with awareness and discipline, but he's a splash playmaker type. So it's a position, you know, they'll probably have to address. Now, you know, one name to, I think to keep in mind because he played really well uh, at times for Jim Schwartz in Detroit, and I'm talking about a free agent now, C-Mac, is to hear Whitehead. And he's a kid who went to Temple. Jim Schwartz is very familiar with him. He's been a three-down linebacker, and he's an athletic kid. And, and it, it, I don't think he'll be in high, high demand. I think he's the kind of player you could sign for not a lot of money. And he'll know the defense, and he'll be able to be plugged right in whether you want to use him as a starter, depending on how things play out, or whether you want to use him in your sub-packages. So to me, he's a guy I would look for that the Eagles might go after. GM, Greg Cosell. Well, you know. Filling just, in the holes. Just making it up as we go here, <laughs> C-Mac. <laughs> uh, last question, and I'll let you get going here. Who's a prospect who has just captured your oh. imagination that you have just fallen in love with watching the tape and maybe not like someone that everybody is talking about someone well, who, who studies the tape very much it, in depth it, it's a player that people if they haven't talked about will be talking about okay. and the reason he blew me away is because when I start my process and I'm early in it because of the NFL season I can't really do college players during the NFL season so 
I like the first week or so when I start because, in a sense, I'm a virgin at that point. I, I don't know a lot about these players. Of course. So when I popped in the tape of Louisville's defense and saw Sheldon Rankins, a D-tackle, who's a three-technique D-tackle, basically, and, and I, I'm not saying the Eagles would be interested in him because essentially us that's what Fletcher Cox is um, in, in this new defense, but this guy just jumped off the screen to me. I was, you know, that's one of the reasons I love the, the tape study part. When you see something and it's it's all new and innocent, and he just blew me away. I thought that this kid is a dynamic prospect, quick, powerful. He'll become a better pass rusher in the NFL. Greg Cosell, our Mr. Relevant, on this week's edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Now it's time for Pick 6. Our special thanks to Greg there. It's probably one of the few times in his life that he's been called Mr. Relevant, but always a great guest to have on the show. Now it's time for our Pick 6, the six players with the most to prove at Pro Day, whether maybe an injury kept them from really competing at the Combine, or there's maybe a, you know, they had some bad testing and timing uh, notes there in Indianapolis that they want to improve upon. For one reason or another, these are the guys who need to improve their stock at their pro day. And I'm going to start things off, and we already talked about them at the top of the show, as a potential target now for the Eagles being at number eight, and that's Miles Jack, the linebacker of UCLA. There were some questions after the torn meniscus that he suffered uh, that prematurely ended his season at UCLA, his final year, that, you know what, maybe that, you know, he would be able to perform at the combine. He did not. Um, you know, there's been some reports that, look, he's not completely out of the woods yet, that he's going to have to have the medical recheck done on his knee. But, you know, if he's able to put on a show at the UCLA Pro Day, uh, you just look at his, his size, how he's built. I mean, just well put together human being. If he's able to move as well as he did when he was at UCLA, I mean, he's definitely going to be a top 10 pick. It's just going to be a question of where does he go in the draft. Yeah, and the the, medical, the pro day as well as the medical recheck at the combine will be huge for Miles Jack and certainly one of the best players in this draft. Uh, the first player I want to bring up, the corner from LSU, Rashard Robinson, 6'1", 171. He was listed by LSU at 6'3", and he came in at 6'1", uh, 4'4", 40, but a 2'6", 10-yard split. Now, he, he went into the combine boasting that he thought he would run the fastest 40 at the entire event with a 4.49. He obviously did not reach that, but that 2.62 10-yard split, I mean, that's, that's worse than offensive tackles. Obviously, he had a, a really awful start. Now, uh, we brought up the, the Tony Pauline draft buzz piece from earlier this week. Tony brought up that Robinson may have had some flu-like sy symptoms along with some other players that were at the event in Indianapolis. Apparently, there were a lot of strains of, uh, of the flu going around in Indy. He was one of the players, one of the players that was uh, affected by that. So we'll see when he comes back to the pro day. He didn't run the agility drills. His jumps were below average. Can he come in and have a, and test well? Because character-wise, there are some questions there. So if you have a guy who hasn't played in a year, didn't test well, and uh, has some off-the-field concerns, that's not going to be a good combination for his uh, draft stock going into April. So Robinson has a lot to rely on here for the pro day. Yeah, and for my first player here, I'm going to take a look at uh, Laquan Treadwell, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. Uh, he's number six on Dane Brugler's big board right now, but he didn't run at the combine, uh, and that's really the one knock on his game right now is his speed. Um, I know he said he, he looked to run a 4-4 in the 4-5s, but I don't think we really know exactly what kind of speed he has at this point. It's not necessarily the biggest part of his game. He's more of a physical wide receiver uh, and a guy who can, who, you know, can 
catch the ball at the point of attack and, and you know use his physicality to to win the matchups. But I do want to see how he runs at the pro day after he elected to not run it at the combine because now at number eight, I think he's another player who the Eagles could be taking a, a, a really good look at here. All right, second player I'm going to go with, I'm going to look at the quarterback position, and this is a player who I think, you know, has the talent, has some traits. I know Fran is a big fan of his game, and that's Penn State's Christian Hackenberg. Didn't really tear it up at the combine, and I think at this point everyone is in agreement that the top three guys are going to be, in some form, Goff, Lynch, and Wentz. The question will be, who will be the number four quarterback? And I think some people think that could be Connor Cook from Michigan State. But I think Christian Hackenberg, you know, with a good pro day, now he's working with Jordan Palmer, who a couple years ago worked with Blake Bortles and helped Bortles get to the number three overall pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's going to be scripting Hackenberg's pro day workout at Penn State. You know, if Hackenberg could put on a show and maybe fix some of the mechanics that, you know, were kind of undone by working with James Franklin the last couple of seasons, you know, maybe he's in the mix to be that fourth quarterback to come off the board and could be down the line. Uh, a good NFL starter. No, I, I, I definitely agree that, that Hackenberg's in that mix to be potentially the fourth guy to come off the board. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does uh, at his pro day because I think, you know, Fran's been touting him all along, but he certainly has uh, the physical ability and, and the arm and the talent to, to be a pretty good quarterback at the next level. I'm going to go with Aaron Burbridge as my second player here, the wide receiver for Michigan State, um, because I really think that his stock has been dropping as of late. He went to the combine and really did not test well in any of the drills. A 4-5-8-40, which was slower than a lot of people expected. A 7-2-2-3 cone. He also did poorly in the broad and the vertical jump. So I think this was a guy that you know we kind of looked at as maybe a second, third round pick with the potential, with the potential to, to rise up. And I think he's kind of going in the opposite direction right now. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good wide receiver. Um, but I, I really think he needs a strong pro day to kind of get back to where he was before the combine. Yeah, and he's certainly a guy that has seen some up and down, so a lot of issues with drops, even though he has the ability to be so good at the catch point. Aaron Burbridge, certainly an intriguing player. Uh, my first player was a corner. My second player, also a cornerback. Obviously, the, the, with the trade of Byron Maxwell, uh, the cornerback position will be an area of focus moving forward throughout the rest of the offseason. You had Richard Robinson, a player that did not make the most of his opportunity at the highest level of competition. Well, now I'm going to go with a, a small school player who made the most of his level of competition. That's Michael Jordan from Northwest Missouri State. 6'1", 200 pounds, has good size. He's got the instincts. He's got outstanding ball skills. He's a competitive player. We saw him up close and personal at the East-West Shrine game, Alex, and a guy that, you know, the, the speed is the big question with him. The overall athleticism is the big question with him. He was not invited to the combine. I was very shocked to see that he was not invited to the combine. So he'll have a chance to really put his... Uh, athletic ability on display at his pro day. I'm very anxious to see how he will run down there at Northwest Missouri State. Grew up an Eagles fan as well, and I found that out when I had a get chance to catch up with him one-on-one in our unofficial visit, this time from the East-West Shrine game. The unofficial visit. Here now with Missouri Western State cornerback Michael Jordan. And Michael, uh, for those who have yet to see you play, can you go, give a quick scouting report of yourself? Um, I like to consider myself. I'm kind of long, kind of rangy. Uh, got pretty good size, for, especially for a corner. Uh, great ball skills, I like to think. Um, pretty aggressive in the run. So 
that's pretty much about it. I'm glad you brought up the ball skills because that, that's the one thing that when I've watched you play that I've been most impressed with. And do you feel like that's something that's innate that you were born with or is that something that you really had tried to hone and really get better at? Uh, honestly, I feel like I was kind of born with it and it's, it's come a lot for me. I play receiver a lot, so it's just, it's just kind of second nature to me. Once the ball is in the air, I, I, re I truly do feel like it's my ball. So that, that's just my mindset going every time the ball's in the air. Is there anything that you've gotten in terms of feedback from scouts you know you really want to improve on moving forward? Uh, just just breaking angles and getting turned. Yeah, just just the small things that I need to work on, which is exactly what anybody want to hear. Nobody wants to hear that they're this great player. I, I need to hear the stuff that I need to work on because that's only going to make me a better player. And then coming from a small school, do you feel like you have a little bit more to prove or you feel like, look, I'm just going to worry about a day at a time and move a day, uh, you know, throughout the entire process and just try and prove what I can do? Honestly, I feel like I feel like I have more to prove because guys kind of see the small school thing and you, you, automatically you don't really get the respect. So it's just like you got to go out and prove yourself to them. Then it's to the scouts. So it's it's a it's a process, but it's fun though. I, I wouldn't trade it. And uh, a lot of the things that people ask, especially Eagles fans, want to know: press coverage versus off coverage. Uh, what do you prefer when you're when you're lining up against a receiver? Um, I really, I don't have a preference. I, I, I like both of them. I, I feel like I can do both of them very well. I, I consider myself very versatile. So either or is fine with me. All right, well, best of luck, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you, thank you. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, great stuff there from Fran and Michael Jordan. Now it's time for your questions in our draft mailbag. And, you know, the question is going to alter in the future, but still we'll, we'll answer the ones that we have here with the news that the Eagles have moved up into the top 10 of the 2016 NFL Draft. The first one comes from Louis Vasquez on Twitter. It goes by at VBCLouis. Uh, his mock draft, so he's giving us a mock draft here, trade back in round one to get a second round pick, and then take Mackenzie Alexander with the first round pick. And he goes through uh, entire list here, has Carl Joseph, the safety from West Virginia, in the second round. Jason Spriggs, don't think he's going to be there in the third round. I'm surprised by that. You know, Chris Jones, a Mississippi State, third round pick. Sterling Shepard, another guy I would love to have him in the fourth round. We have to go through the whole mock draft here. But uh, Mackenzie Alexander talked a great game at the Combine, won the press conference battle, so to speak, was very engaging with the media. Um, but it's an option for the Eagles to trade back now. The question would be, how far is Mackenzie Alexander going to fall in this year's draft? Or was he a guy who was never really in that top 10 discussion like some mock drafts had early on? Yeah, I think the big question is with Alexander, are you okay with his size? Because he's 5'10 and a half, just under 5'10 and a half. And then also, are you okay with the fact that you would be taking a first-round corner that did not record one single interception in his entire college career? Only played two seasons, was a redshirt sophomore coming out, was a shutdown corner, and teams never went at him. So, you know, you have to feel okay with the fact that he didn't have much in terms of ball production. If you're okay with that, then you're, so, you're sold with that pick. I think he's a really, really talented player. Uh, I'm very, very excited to watch him develop as a professional corner. As far as Carl Joseph, the second-round pick, you just have to decide how you want to play on the back end. He's a pure, strong safety player that is really at his best at the line of scrimmage. I know he had five picks this year. Or he, had, he had a good amount of interceptions early in the year before his torn ACL. A lot of them were right place, right time situations. So uh, certainly an intriguing player, but it just depends on how you want to play defense. As well as the knee injury as well. Our second question comes from Nick Redwood. who goes by at NPRedWoo on Twitter. What positions in the draft have the most and the least amount of depth? 
I would think that defensive line might be a spot with the most depth when yep. you look at it. Um, I mean, we know the guys at the top. We know the DeForest Buckners and Joey Bosa, Sheldon Rankins, even players like Jaron Reed from Alabama that we saw uh, down at the Senior Bowl. So I think when you look at it and when you hear from guys like Mike Mayock from NFL Network, he talks about, you know, how great of a defensive line, how great the depth is at defensive line in this year's draft. Um, as far as the least depth, uh, I'm not really sure. I, don't, I, don't I would say tight saying. end probably has the least amount of depth. Uh, there are a couple of positions, though, that have really good depth. You know, defensive tackle, for sure, has great depth. Uh, I think quarterback has very good depth. I think corner has very good depth. Offensive guard, you know, interior offensive line, I think, is a very, very deep group. Uh, there's, there's a couple of positions in this draft. I would say linebacker, too, probably doesn't have great depth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some very talented players at the top of the draft. But once you get into that third day, uh, the names start to dwindle down a bit. Do you guys think that wide receiver is better than is being given credit for in the media? Because we keep hearing about Treadwell, we hear about Corey Coleman, but it seems like there isn't, you know, there's not going to be the Odell Beckham, there's not going to be the Kevin White, you know, the bona fide stud guys in this year's draft class, Amari Cooper, Sam Watkins, but it seems like you might get good value there in that second day, you know, second and third rounds. Yeah, there's always players, and it'll come down to situation and what, how guys are used once they get to the next level. I don't think it's an awful group. It's certainly not to the level of the last couple of years. Our next question comes from our boy at that Martinez fam on Twitter. Who or would Keanu Neal, the safety out of Florida, be someone who fits Jim Schwartz's defense? And what round is he projected to go in? If you read Tony Pauline's draft buzz, he could be a late first-round pick potentially. A guy that's really, really physical is probably one of the biggest hitters in this draft class. But I was impressed. I think that he has enough that he can play on the back end. So really, it comes down to what you're looking for still. But I don't think he's a guy, we've talked about guys like Carl Joseph and Miles Killebrew and Jeremy Cash, where they, those guys have to be near the line of scrimmage. Keanu Neal's at his best in that area, but I don't think he, he's, you, there's nothing that's keeping him from being on the back end, too. I think he does enough on the back end to, to succeed there. Still a strong safety type player, one of the biggest hitters in this class. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here on this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. For Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, our producer behind the scenes, Brian Thomas, thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to rate and comment wherever you consume our podcasts. I'm Chris McPherson. Again, you've been listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.